0: What's up, family? Come on. All right, all right, all right. So uh, so glad to be with you today, and we're going to wrap up this series called Relationship Hacks. Who needs to grow in our relationships, huh? Amen, amen. Hey, uh, relationships, I believe this with all my heart, behind uh, the gift of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. Relationships is the greatest gift that God gives us. They're so so important. So two weeks ago, we covered uh, a foundation when it comes to relationships, and we talked about the key is, is as you know. And let me let me use the scriptures to be a better way of saying it. Jesus says everything hangs on this: how we love God, how we love ourselves, and how we love others. All right, and that becomes the foundation of you know your relationship with Him. Your relationship with Him allows you to see yourself differently. Come on, somebody allows you to see yourself differently. Therefore, you will love other people completely different. Do you see what I'm saying? So we laid a foundation week one there. Last week, uh, we talked about single people. Anybody single in here? few single people. All right, stand up, give a bow, you know. Maybe you'll get connected before you leave the day. All right. <laughs> we get you guys to start holding hands when we pray. And then, like, if you're single, you can squeeze the person next to you, you know. Squeeze their hand. She get a t-shirt that says I'm available. Hey, listen. Yeah, singles group. I heard somebody say singles group. I don't see anything on the website about a singles connect group. All right, that was Christian. All right. All right. <clears throat> I, know you, I know your voices. Okay, so just uh, go ahead and lead that one. Um, yeah, go ahead and lead that one. So we have single. We talked about married last week. We talked about a person who could uh, be widowed or be divorced, and uh, we talked a lot about uh, um, sex last week. So if you missed that, okay, if you, I heard a married person just talk about their spouse wasn't here. But if you if you wasn't here last week and you want to catch that out, fill out that connect card and you get an email from us, and that email has a podcast. So uh, you'll get that every week, and um, even if you want to just check out the teaching, you miss something, you know. Because I know everyone takes really good notes, right? Everyone takes very good notes, so you really you you don't really have to have it. But anyways, we send that out on Wednesdays and uh, let you know what's going on with COG, and we have those podcasts. So, so that's the first two weeks, and today we want to. Before we jump into it, let's talk a little bit about this title: relationship hacks. Okay, we got flowers up there. That could be a hack. I don't know what this book right here stands for, but we got a book and a pencil. You know, creative team. That's why they're creative team. You know, <laughs> that's why they're the creative team. You know, journal. Okay, journal. How's a journal a hack inside of a relationship? You buy someone a journal. Okay. All right. There you go. Okay, so hey guys, who who's got a great relationship hack? Okay, there we go, monthly date night, okay, monthly date night, I think I got some, uh, I have some gift cards in here, oh, I got some gift cards, all right, I got some Starbucks gift cards, all right, whoever's got the best ones, got some Starbucks gift cards, anybody got a good relationship hack? Do the dishes, okay, do the dishes, all right. Do the dishes, monthly, a monthly, uh, what was it? Monthly date night, monthly date night, okay. Encourage them, all right, we got to work on, we got to work on, we got to work on Christian, all right, <laughs> got to help Christian, Christian's single now, y'all, we need to help, somebody needs to help him out, give him like a list of hacks, all right, Now, I just realized if you say something, I might clown you a little bit, so, all right, but we are trying to give out some gift cards. Anybody else? A monthly what? Fun budget. Okay. That's different. That's different. Okay. Vacation. Who said that? Okay. All right. cares about vacation? There's no, what about the budget? <laughs> it's just like, hey, you know what, spontaneous, let's just go to Hawaii. Let's get, yeah, let's just go to Hawaii. Yeah, come on now. That'll definitely earn you points on week two with, when you're talking about sex. Yeah, that'll definitely earn you some points there. Yeah. So let's just say this if you weren't here last week, all right, because it's okay, because I know sometimes when people talk about sex in church, it can be awkward. to just say, period, period. God's the one that created it, all right? God says it's holy, all right? It's the world that's made it incorrect. So anyways, and we'll push on. Anybody else? A handwritten note. All right, all right. Those are good. Those are good. Now listen, I want to, all right, so let's switch gears for a minute, okay? Let's say um, a hack is what you don't say, Boy, you can tell he's married. <laughs> hey, that's a good one right there. Hey, here you go. Come here, Preston. Come in and get you a card. Boy, that's a good one right there. You don't tell her she's wrong. Or, hey, when she's got an outfit on and she says, hey, how does this look? You, baby, that looks great. No matter what, baby, that looks great. Yeah. And, and if you say something, if you say something else, you know what I mean? There's not going to be any uh, fireworks at night. Yeah. Apologize when she's wrong. Okay. All right. All right. That's kind of like what Preston said. Preston said she's not wrong. Yeah. She's not wrong. Anybody else on something that you don't say? How about like some goofy phrases? You know what I mean? Like them one-liners or stuff like that. Some of you single people? Come on. Talk up now. Come on. You complete me. All right. (laughs) Give me another gift card. Come on, anybody else? Anything that you don't say? Single people, come on now, help me out. Any single, huh? (laughs) Come in, Neil. I want to give you one just because you stepped out. And that was so good. You just stepped out i would throw this at you, baby, like a phew, might like get you. All right, one more, one more. So <laughs> that is definitely a hack for a man, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, one more something that you don't say, single or if you're married. I didn't give you the one with the clothes, all right? You'd never say, yeah, yeah, baby, that's great. You say what? You want to talk. You're like, "Uh uh-oh. Uh-oh, we need to talk. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, let me brace for this one here. (laughs) Are you going to eat that? All right. <laughs> I'm planting a church and moving to Florida. No, you don't say that. We've uncovered that, Justin. And Justin, you've been married for a long time. Yeah, you don't say that. Yeah. Yeah. All right, one more, one more. I'm trying to give one more gift card away. One more, what you don't say. Don't use profanity. That's right. That's good. That's good. Not only is he going to not see those fireworks, he's going to be on the couch for a hot minute. Hey, y'all got to listen to these right here. My wife sent me these. My wife sent me these. Listen to this. <laughs> this is so goofy. It says, there is something wrong with my cell phone. It doesn't have your number in it. Hey, Christian, don't use that, man. Christian, I'm, I'm a clown Christian on all of these right here. Look. Hey, you must be tired because you've been running through my mind all day. (laughs) Don't you ever. Hey, look, Pastor Nate's going to be here next week. This is something he would say. He's married now, but he would say this. Hey, feel my shirt. Know that it was made. Feel my shirt. Know what it's made of boyfriend material. He's so passionate. Well, here I am. What are your other two wishes? (laughs) My wife and me were talking about this, and she, like, Googled these things. I was like, these are so stinking cheesy. All right, one more, one more. Do you believe in love at first sight, or should I walk by again? Christian, don't use those. Okay, that's your hack. Don't use those. You're gonna stay single for a long time. All right. Okay. Let's let's jump into this. I had I had some more, but we've uh, we've spent some time on that. All right. Hey guys, listen. uh, Let's jump right into. um, Let's go to Revelations three, and as you're going there on your apps, if you have your Bibles, if you're old school like me, um. We've talked two weeks. This week, I want to talk to you about, um, there's a couple words the Lord put in my heart, and I want to create a phrase with it, and um, we're going to talk today about stewardship that leads breakthrough, okay? Stewardship in our relationships that brings breakthrough. Listen, you know, you cannot get to where God has purposed you to get without relationships, You can't get to where God wants you to get without not only stewarding those, but also other relationships will become paramount to get you where you need to get. There's a very interesting scripture in Luke 2 when Jesus was a boy, and it says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus himself, being 100% God, perfect in all of his ways, had to grow in favor. Very interesting concept. With God, stewardship. And with man, breakthrough. Okay? I don't really understand why he had to grow in stewardship with God, to be honest. Because he was perfect and there was nothing wrong. But it says that. And I believe that God gives us keys when it comes to this. All right? But when it comes to relationships, Jesus himself needed relationships to get to the cross. In order to save us. There would be key relationships in his life that would enable him to get to the place of dying for all of humanity. Listen, Jesus came to die for us, but he also came to model what it looks like. It's really cool. I mean, God could have just inserted him inside of history right there, and he could have just laid down his life, redeemed all of us, took in his blood up into heaven, and we'd be saved. But he came as a baby. He grew up. He modeled what it looks like to walk inside of relationships to steward them well, to grow in more relationships, and in growing in more relationships, this is what carried him to the place to fulfill the ministry that God had for him, but to lay down his life ultimately. Listen, the cross was his battlefield. It was the place that he would defeat Satan, he would defeat hell, he would defeat all of our enemies. There is a battlefield that God has called you to, there is a specific battlefield That God has called you to and you will defeat the enemy of heaven and all of the earth, all right, will be tripped out as God raises you up. All the earth. You might say, what do you mean? There's this promise in scripture. It starts in Genesis and it goes all the way through the Bible. And this promise is inside of you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I'm going to say it another way. All right, when God raises us up and God uses us on this battlefield and God demonstrates his glory, it begins to impact all peoples. It impacts all peoples. We can't figure that out right now because a lot of times we're just looking through what Scripture says, a glass dimly. All right? But as we just continue to steward the relationships around us. And sometimes, listen, guys, it can be so tricky because you can be right in the heat of something and someone could really be rubbing you the wrong way. And we don't realize what's going on. And it's so important to recognize that we are to embrace. All right? Embrace people. Never push them away, no matter what. Seriously. And we'll talk about this more when we get to the backside of the message with the points. But God wants us to embrace. He wants us to embrace not just the relationships that are easy. God wants us to embrace the relationships that are so challenging So that we can not only release the love of God, but to be honest, this is the way that God's going to radically develop us inside of stewardship. is with those tricky relationships. Are you with me? Okay? You ever have a bad day? Yeah. Normally your bad day is based on what? Another human, right? Now really, to be honest, another person can't dictate you having a bad day. Okay, but at the same time, we, we do think that way, and sometimes it is those, those moments. What if it was when I recognize automatically the challenge of whatever that is, the conversation, someone rubbed me the wrong way, bad body language, somebody say something, I see something on Instagram, whatever it is, and instead, I flip it and begin to immediately, all right, Try to grab a hold of that person. Could we actually eliminate no more bad days? What if it was always the root of it was a person, but really I just got to shift my thinking? Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm going to make sure I go after, and it changes the whole concept. Could you imagine if we didn't have a bad day? All right. just want to get your attention a little bit. Revelations 3. Verses 7 and 8. So, real quick, guys, a little backdrop. There's seven churches here that Jesus talks to. These seven churches are seven historical churches, but there's only one church. It's this one here that Jesus doesn't give a rebuke to. This one church, the Church of Philadelphia, represents, all right, um, God's church in every generation, all right, from 2,000 years ago, 2, year ago to, spit it out, Howard, 2,000 years ago, all the way to present time, okay? So there's always a group of people that God looks at, and he looks at you as the church of Philadelphia. So with that in mind, let's read just for a second. It says, verse 7, it says, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says, he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. It says, I know your works. I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. And I'm going to stop right there. I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. I'm going to talk to you for a minute about David, but before I do, I just want to minister this word to you. I'm going to say it from a prophetic standpoint. I have set before you an open door. Let me say it another way. Starting today, I believe heaven has opened up a door for you, and God's saying, I just need you to shift your mindset a little bit, okay? I'm going to begin to take you into some new relationships where you have struggled in the past, whether it be, watch this, relationally, physically, emotionally, financially, all right? We're believing God for a building, and what the Lord keeps putting on my heart is there's going to be a relationship, Howard, that I bring to you that's going to be a shift. But I have to steward well the relationships around me or that person That God has for me may never get to me if I don't steward well what I have. Do you see what I'm saying? But I believe the Lord is saying to us today that the door has cracked open in heaven. And I just need you to change the way you're thinking when it comes to all relationships. Good, bad, and ugly. And look at it as a gift even when it's challenging and embrace And inside of that, I'm going to be able to bring you into this room. And inside of this room behind this door is going to be your breakthrough. Imagine that. I've learned this the hard way, man, when it comes to, like, answers to prayer and breakthrough. Like, sometimes the greatest breakthrough comes through a relationship. It's not through you praying. It's through somebody else around you. And God just don't need me to pray anymore. He needs me to steward well what's in my hand. I'm not saying not to pray. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we keep going through these repetitions and we wonder why God's not. And God's like, no, I've already given it to you in your hand. You just have to steward well what's in your hand. So the concept of this, these passages, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah 22. If you get a chance, go back and read it. It's not in your notes. Isaiah 22. And he's quoting from a passage. And when he quotes from this passage, and he talks about the key of David, he's talking about two stewards, a good steward and a bad steward. The bad steward, what they have is taken away from them and given to the new steward or the other steward, the good steward. We actually see this in Scripture, in Jesus' parables. He talked about talents, and in talking about talents, He's talking about being a good steward. He says one's given ten, one's given five, one's given one. The one that was given ten went out and multiplied it, came back with more. Five multiplied it, came back with more. But the one that had one, it says it buried the talent in the ground. And Jesus says that person was a wicked and lazy servant. That's some harsh language, isn't it? Could you imagine me saying it to you while I preach? That's what Jesus said. That's kind of crazy, wicked, lazy servant. Yeah. No, Jesus was making a very strong point. Of not being a good steward. Watch this. For us, it could be hiding something in our heart the love of God, the goodness of God that's inside of your heart toward another person. Stewarding well that relationship. So when he quotes from Isaiah 22 and he's talking about these two stewards, one is not being faithful, the other steward's being faithful. The one that's not gets uh, what they have taken away. But in those days, this is what's very interesting, those stewards would have a key, and that key unlocked everything that their um, employer owned. It was a master key. When Jesus is talking in this passage, he's actually given us a master key to the kingdom. The master key to the kingdom is how well we steward relationships. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, we need all these other places unlocked in our life. And God says, no, I'm giving you a master key. I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. I'm giving you a master key. And the master key is how well you steward the relationships currently right now in your life. Come on. All right? Hey, listen, when I was living in Alabama before I moved here, um, I had uh, it was my direct report. I worked at the biggest steel company in America and it was my direct report and um, I did not have a background in that industry and um, I was favored by God to get a job in management and then they just gave me all these online courses and I killed it and just continued to get favored by God. Well, this guy that was over me didn't like this because he had a degree and I had favor with the owner. Come on, somebody. Somebody. Yeah, that trumps a pedigree all day. That trumps your resume all day. But this rascal is out to get me, for real. I mean, he was out to get me, you know, and he was always doing these things, you know, but I, I, I recognize what he was doing. I recognize even the, the, the enemy's plans. And um, listen, I, I wouldn't put on a fake smile when I would go in his office. No, I, I would truly love on him. I would truly try to help him. I would try to do things for him. Do you see what I'm saying? And you know what happened? He ended up getting moved, and I actually got his job. Yeah, he ended up getting moved, and I got his job. I got to walk inside of the director of safety and health for this company without that qualification. You know, God took me into a new room. There's always instances like this, sometimes that we don't realize, that God has the biggest breakthrough, whether it be career-wise, financial-wise, and it's just on the other side of that door. And sometimes it's just a matter of stewarding what's around you. It's easy, Jesus said this, it's easy to love those who love you. He says, don't even the Pharisees or the religious people do that? But when it comes to loving the ones that seem to be a thorn in your flesh, y'all know that scripture? You know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. It was actually talking about relationships. That's what it was talking about. A thorn in in, in the flesh. Something that's always irritating. Something that's always bothering. All right? You guys good? Okay. Can, can I hear you one more time? you guys good? Okay, I'm just checking because it seems like a little heavy in here and I feel like, like half the room's mad at me already. I just always want to get a pulse. All right. So, you know, Jesus calls this key the key of David, and, um, you know, when he, when he calls it the key of David, I believe that he's given us a little insight into stewardship. So I want to talk to you just for a minute about his life, and uh, I want to talk about the good, I want to talk about the bad, I want to talk about the ugly, but I want to talk first about his heart, because, you know, when, when David actually comes on the scene, there was this uh, king named Saul, and it was the first king of Israel. And King Saul wasn't faithful, and God was going to remove Saul from his place of authority. So God tells this prophet named Samuel, "Hey, I want you to go to this guy named Jesse, and he's got a whole bunch of boys, and I want you to anoint the next king of Israel." So Samuel goes to anoint the goes to the guy's house, and um, he's got like I don't know seven or eight sons. And what's crazy is that they don't even invite David to come to the party. You know, it's a big deal. It's a celebration. There'd be a feast, all these things. And David's out tending the sheep. Now, that job back then was like lowest on the totem pole. So he's out there tending his father's sheep. Don't even get invited to the party. Wouldn't that be cause for like, man, I ain't going up there. Them rascals didn't invite me. I don't care if you come get me or not, right? Uh Uh-huh, see, see, we need some help right there on the left-hand side. So anyways, the, the people, the, the sons start coming before him, the oldest all the way down, and the oldest, big dude, and uh, Samuel goes, surely the Lord's anointed is right here. Big, tall, handsome guy, and this is a very powerful scripture. This is something you really want to put um, deep inside of your heart. It's in 1 Samuel 16, 7. It's not going to be on the screen, but this is what it says. I'm going to paraphrase it just a little bit. And, and God tells Samuel, he says, hey, man, I don't look as people look. I don't look at the outward appearance. He says, I look at the heart. That's powerful, isn't it? Hey, hey, sometimes don't we do that? Oh, maybe y'all not y'all, just me. All right, my bad. Forgive me, Lord, I do it. I repent for everybody in here. Maybe it's just me. Maybe that's one of the biggest hangups in relationships is that I'm always looking at the outer I'm always looking at the superficial and not really looking at the heart or the potential of a human. Because what did he see in us? It says Jesus Christ loved us so much that even while we were sinners, he still died for us. Like there's nothing there, but I see potential, I'm going to die for them. Do you see what I'm saying? So thank God the New Testament gives us even more insight into David's life because David made some jankety mistakes, okay? I'm going to talk about one of them. But the New Testament, after he's dead, in heaven, Acts 13, says, when God removed Saul, he found David. I love the way the, the Scripture puts this. God is looking for you, but God is looking for you to steward well what he's put in your hand. It catches the eye of God. It catches the ear of God. Listen, guys, like God is always moving. His scriptures talks about this throughout the Bible. It stops Him in His tracks when we do certain things. God, listen to me. We look at God sometimes and we don't understand that God has feelings, that God has a personality. That you do things that stops God in his tracks. And one of the things that will always stop God in his tracks is how you treat people. Boy, I'm preaching to myself. That's good. That's good how you treat people, bro. All right? Somebody said this a couple of weeks ago. One of the best hacks is to be quick to forgive. Yeah. Be quick to forgive. I said something last night to my wife. We got a toddler. We got two toddlers. I guess I call them toddlers. One of them's not a toddler, but they sleep in the same room. Had an issue. One of them had to go sleep with her in the bed. I'm on the couch. I said something. Something. And I laid down on the couch because I got to pray. And I just knew in my heart there's no way I'm going to go to sleep like this. We got to be so quick. You see what I'm saying? God wants us to have such a tender heart with people. Not just the ones closest to you, all right, but have such a tender heart. It was a powerful element of David. Powerful element of his life. He's out there. They call him in. They end up anointing him as king. It's about 10 to 12 years later, somewhere around 12, 12 years later before he had actually become king. And he began a journey where Saul, who was still king, I mean would try to kill him. And if you read the story, it's very incredible to see this. David is anointed king by a prophet, which means he could have rallied the troops and he could have actually removed Saul. And in those days, they were, it was very bad because they would remove the families, but he didn't. And instead, watch this, this is what would come out of his mouth as he walked his journey with God. I'm not going to touch God's anointed. I'm not going to put my hands on him. I'm not going to put my mouth on him. I'm not going to touch his anointed. He knew that God had chosen him, and he was still just going to wait for his time. And we can see this played out in that scripture in Acts 13. This is what it says. God removed Saul. God found David. And when he found him, this is what it says. It says, I found him a man after my heart, but then explains that. Someone that would do my will. I want you to hear me on this, guys. This becomes a foundation for your stewardship. Someone who chooses to do, watch this, you have to say this in your heart. All right, not this organ, but in your spirit man or your spirit woman Lord, I will not withhold anything from you, I will do all of your will. It's a decision that you make and it becomes the foundation for all stewardship. There's things that all of us sometimes we hold back in relationships, right? Got walls up. I'm only gonna get let you get so close. Like my wife's the only one that can get in this bubble right here. Right? Your your wife, your spouse can only get so close inside of your bubble, but you also have these other layers of a bubble that you won't let certain people know certain things about you or get so close to you or won't be so intimate with you. But even with God, we have those layers. And watch this. You know what? Today, you can actually break the bubble. You can break the bubble. You can just say from your heart, Lord, I will not withhold anything from you. I will do all of your will. So Jesus talked about this the last week he was on the earth. He talked about two sons working for a father, And the father asked him to go work out in his field, and one of them said, man, I ain't doing that, and left. And the other one said, Father, I'll do it, and goes out and leaves. The one that says, I'll do it, goes out and leaves, he don't do it. He just takes off. But the one who actually said, I'm not going to do it, repents, has a tender heart, turns, and works in his dad's field all day long. And Jesus has the question, who's the one that did the will of God? Not the one that just said it here, but the one from here. The one from here that was tender that says, no, no, no. All right, I made a mistake. No, Lord, I, w- I will do all your will. It, it, it is a heart condition. God is looking at the heart. He says, I, 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 just, I need you from your heart to say, I'm willing to do it all. And this is actually what it testifies about Jesus in Hebrews 10. And it says, a body you have prepared for me. Talking about Jesus. And then it goes on to say something that came from Jesus' heart. And it says, in the scroll of the book. They use the scroll. It says, in the scroll of the book, it is written of me to do your will. Even when Jesus was in Gethsemane, the hardest night of his life when the father was saying, you're going to have to go to the cross, and when you go to the cross, you're going to have to drink this cup that the nations have drank, this place of rebellion. You're going to, have to drink, you're going to have to become like them so that they can become like you. And he was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I'm willing to go to the cross, but I got to go through this. And he says, you have to go through all of that in order to redeem them. And he says, is there another way? I mean, can there be another way? You're you're the father. You're the creator. Can there be another way? And you know what you hear? Silence. Because the father had done said, this is the only way. And it says Jesus prayed three times. Listen to the humanity of this. And then he gets up after he prays three times. Sometimes, listen, God doesn't speak, not that he's not speaking to you. Sometimes God is quiet because he's already told you which direction to go, and he protects yourself from yourself, stopping you from making a bad decision, making an emotional decision when he's done said, that's the way. You already know that's the way. And even in being quiet, he's speaking loudly saying, you know the way. You know the way to love that person. Are you with me? And then when he gets up the third time, he says, not my will. Your will be done. Saved all of us. This is the foundation of stewardship. And like I said, the door's cracked for all of us today. The door is cracked for breakthrough for all of us, and it begins with this. I promise you I won't hold nothing back. Even if I make a mistake like the one son, I promise you I won't hold nothing back. I'll be quick to repent And I will do as you ask me, Lord. Not because God loves me anymore because I do what he says. There's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore. Do you see what I'm saying? The heart of God is to get you to walk in breakthrough, to walk in purpose. Like you're his favorite kid. For real, you are his favorite kid. You might say, how is that so? He has so many kids because he sat down. And he thought about a specific purpose for you. And he mapped out this specific purpose. And inside of that, he showers his love. He showers his beauty upon us. And as we walk this out, this is how we feel. Like, wow, you did all this for me? And he makes us feel like we're the only one in the kingdom. He makes us feel like we're an only child. Y'all with me? The beauty of God is that He doesn't make things hard. He doesn't make it hard. How do I get into heaven? Scripture says, I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead. I believe in my heart, and it says, I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus. And in doing that, the Holy Spirit comes, recreates my human spirit. I have eternal life on the inside of me. He's living on the inside of me, and my name is written in a special book in heaven that says you're royalty now. Your royalty. You are a son and a daughter of God, the book of life, the book of royalty. He made it that easy. And you know what? We complicate Christianity. We complicate the kingdom. We complicate the relationship with God and with others. He says, hey man, go that way. Go that way right there. Love them. Love them like crazy. Is that good? So David, because he had this heart, and even though he hadn't made it to the throne yet, David's moving around. It's really crazy to see that David had all these people that had all these issues would come to him. It's in 1 Chronicles 12. And Scripture says that David took all of these people that were in debt, rejects, had all these issues, and because of his love for people... He began to raise up an army, and it calls it in 1 Chronicles 12, an army like the army of God. This is what we need. You need relationships. Sometimes you go after them. Sometimes God brings them to you, and God says, I'm acquiring something. I'm acquiring an army around you for a battlefield that I have for you because I want to do something incredible through your life. Are you with me? Does this make sense? Is it hard? Okay, I got one amen. It's not hard. Let's define that for a minute because there can be things that are challenging, but when it comes to something being hard, let's use those two different words. If I make that decision in my heart, this is what God's going to do for me. All right, It's like this bottle of water. God will pour all over you His grace. When I make a decision in my heart and I say, Lord, I'm going to do this. I'm going to love everybody radically. I'm going to think different when it comes to, let's just say, Bob. And Bob is always rubbing me the wrong way. I'm going to think differently about him, and I'm going to go after him. Then God says, here you go, let me pour my ability on you. Let me pour my energy on you. Let me pour even more of my thought process in you because I made a decision. Do you see what I'm saying? And it has to be a decision from here. It can't be this straddle defense. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try to love Bob. But, you know, on Monday, he's unbearable. No, I, I have to make a decision, an affirmed decision. That means I'm not going to try. I'm going to follow through. And I'm not going to give up, no matter how tough it gets. Do you see what I'm saying? You guys good? So David was an incredible leader, and I love the fact that it says in the New Testament, it talks about David's heart. That David was a man after God's heart, that he would do the will of God, because David made some really bad bonehead mistakes. Okay, And I want to talk for a minute about one of the biggest mistakes that David made, and I want to talk about the root of why that mistake happened, and then what happens to us when it comes to us failing to steward relationships. Are you with me? Okay. Are y'all with me? Praise the Lord. Y'all alive. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Breathe on them, fall on them, help them out. Help me out, Lord. Help me out. So there's a passage in 2 Samuel 11, and this is when David has, David's in a place where he's conquering left and right. David was a mighty, mighty warrior. David was an incredible leader. Um, Some of the things that David uh, had massive gaps in, David had massive gaps um, in being a father, okay? And you can see this in Scripture, okay? But his heart, because he was willing to be quick to repent, you see this in his life, and he would follow through and he would make mistakes. Listen, God gives him this incredible word that he, had, he was a man after God's heart. Okay? So in 2 Samuel 11, yes, yeah, 11, um, there's this sin that David commits with this woman named Bathsheba. It's funny, her name's Bathsheba. That's how it looks. I've always heard people say Bathsheba, so I'm just thinking the H is silent, but it looks like Bath. That's the way it's spelled, B-A-T-H. They named their daughter Bathsheba, Bathsheba. All right, Bathsheba was uh, the the wife of another guy that was one of his mighty men that he had raised up inside of that army in First Chronicles 12. And David had this general name um, Joab, I believe it was Joab. How about them names, huh? Joab, Bathsheba, yeah. Name name your son Joab. So, at this point, um, so the sin is David ends up committing adultery uh, with this woman. Okay? I'm just kind of giving you the real quick, all right, because I want to get to the root of why this happened. David commits adultery with him. Let me, let me just tell you, let me, let me say it this way because it will be clear. So, look, David sends Joab, his commander, his general, and he sends this mighty army out to battle. And when he sends them out... Normally, the kings always went and fought with, the other, with, with, with their armies. But here it says David stayed back home. So he stays back home, and he doesn't go out with his army to fight. And it says he walked out on his roof, and he sees this woman. And she was a beautiful woman. And he inquires of her, and they tell him, hey, that's Uriah's wife. Well, right then, David should mind his business, right? He needs to get back in the house anyways. Cause he was being a peeper, he being a peeping tom. <laughs> I got to get out of the story, y'all. Okay, cause I'm getting I'm getting too much into it. So so check this out. All right. So David commits a horrible act here because not only does he commit adultery, but David ends up getting her pregnant. And when he gets her pregnant, he tries to hide the sin, and he brings Uriah back from the battle, and he tells Uriah, Hey, go to go go hang out with your wife, and he's trying to get him to go sleep with his wife. And um, Uriah is such a man of honor, he sleeps at the king's door. He says, the Lord is with our men out there in battle. Our men are battling. He says, I'm not going to go be with my wife. And he lays at the king's door, a man of honor. Then David keeps him there a couple more days and gets him drunk, trying to get him to go hang with his wife. And he still sleeps at his door. Then David sends him back to the battle, tells his general, put him in the heat of the fight and withdraw the men. That's bad, as bad as it gets. Not only do you sleep with a man's wife, but he ends up committing a very bad crime. And in the midst of all of that, how in the world does a man that's following God, that's doing all these incredible things, all right, for God, for the kingdom of Israel back then, do something like that? It goes back to how the scripture opens. It says he sent his army out and he stays back home. It becomes insight into a principle throughout Scripture. If you Listen to me, guys. If you do not continue to conquer and move forward, you will make the dumbest mistakes. You will look back at yourself and say, How in the world did I handle that relationship that way? Because you are not on your toes. You are on your heels. Listen, when God begins to prosper us, God prospers you because God loves you and He wants to bless you. But the favor of God is for everybody around you. We get to enjoy it. But in the midst of enjoying the favor of God, our heads swell sometimes. And we don't stay on our toes. We get back on our heels. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I kind of got this myself. Because I preach so good. Or whatever you do. You see what I'm saying? We start to think of ourselves as something beyond ourselves. Our heads begin to swell relationships begin to get wrinkles inside of it. And that which God has set up to impact the world can fall apart fast. It's very interesting, a time in my life when I was just radically seeking the Lord. I was about to move into a new transition of my life, and God was wanting to bless me. God had multiple opportunities for me in ministry. And the Lord gave me this scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 6 And this is when the children of Israel have come out of Egypt. They come out of slavery. God brought them to a place where God was providing for them, and he was taking them into the promised land. And he says to them, he says, hey, guys, check this out. I'm going to take you into a land that you didn't pay for. I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build, cities you didn't build. I'm going to give you, because for them, the agriculture piece was like money. I'm going to give you these olive trees you didn't plant, vineyards you didn't plant. I'm going to give you all this. But then he makes this statement. Hey, when you eat and are full, then beware. God used to give me that scripture over and over again when I'm about to transition into a new season. I want you to hear me, church, because watch this. A door is cracked open for us, and God says there's breakthrough on the other side. We have to be careful when you begin to walk through the door and you get some breakthrough that we don't kind of sit back on our heels a little bit. Wow, you know, things have gotten a little easier because God does want life to become faster the speed of the kingdom of God, God brings relationships into your life. All of a sudden now, there's different pieces in your life where you might not be struggling because of other people's giftings, other people's resources, whatever it is. And I can lean back and not do what I did to get me through that door. When you are eaten, when you have eaten and are full, then beware. Are y'all with me? So the principle here is that God expects us, listen, he expects us to always steward well what's in our hand, and God always wants us not to lose sight. He's the one that God us there to stay on your toes. Radically love people, because God's going to give you more. He's going to give you more relationships. He's going to give you more influence. He's going to trust you with more. All right? You guys good? All right. Um, just for my people up there, we're going to skip Ephesians for time, and we're just going to go right into the three points on the backside of the message. I want to talk to you about three points, and we could get um, we could chat about these for quite a bit, but um, I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on them. So, the first one is honor, one of the first big pieces when it comes to stewarding relationships well is the concept of honor. And the scripture reference that we have for you is 1 Peter 2.17. It says, honor all people. That means that we don't pick and choose who we honor. You know, honor is different from flattery. Flattery is borderline demonic. Honoring is from the kingdom. Okay? Honoring is a decision that we make inside of our heart to see the value in another person. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor the king. So, you know what? One of the greatest ways that we honor is through our lips, through our mouth. Notice what I said now. Flattering is borderline demonic. That means I, I, I say stuff to people that I really don't mean. Do you see what I mean? Or let me say it another way. This would be a better way of saying it. I say something to you to try to get something from you. That's called manipulation, which is demonic. That, that's, that's not honoring. Honoring is you really see the potential in a person. And watch this. You might say sometimes, how do you do that? Look at yourself. Jesus saw something in you. And some of the greatest ways that we honor is to go right back there. Jesus loved me and he gave his life for me. Listen, you are so worthy. Come on, somebody. You are so worthy. The blood of Jesus was shed for you. So just from that foundation... I can love on people, honoring people with the words of my mouth. And you know what what God wants to teach us? God wants to teach us how to do this really well. Like seriously. Like honor people like crazy. Talk about their heart. Talk about the beauty of their heart and how Jesus sees them. Even inside of that, what happens is that when you do stuff like that, then what's going to happen is God will add to that, and God will sometimes will give you maybe even some insight they don't even know. This can be a big deal in people's lives. This can be a really big deal in your life, Okay? All right, like I said, we can spend a lot of time on this, but just for time, I'm going to keep moving. So the second one is, don't be offended. Don't be offended. So Proverbs 19, 11 says, good sense, somebody say good sense, makes a, makes a man restrain his anger. Good sense makes a man or a woman restrain his anger. And it is his glory to overlook a transgression or an offense. Hey, look, just because you get mad don't mean you beat yourself up. Just make sure you're quick to repent. Just make sure you're quick to repent. And be careful not to be angry at yourself. Come on, somebody. Be careful not to be angry at yourself. Forgive yourself. But notice it goes on to say, it says, a person like this will overlook a transgression or an offense. Hey, listen, we live in a culture right now where, like, offense is building up these barriers everywhere. Okay? The Republicans are mad right now because the Democrats are in office. And then when the Democrats are in office, you know, they're mad at the Republicans. You can pick, pick which side, okay? I'm not getting into political, but what I'm saying is all you've got is look at your phone. You know what I mean? You look at your phone, and it's just like everybody's fighting, whether it be political, social media. People just want to blast somebody. You can get blasted every single day you have an opportunity To be offended. You can be offended at a person, but you know what happens? When we take offense, this is what begins to happen. When we take offense, not only does it build up barriers inside of our life, but it begins to actually create a barrier with God, and it's not God doing this. I want you to hear me on this, okay? Because I feel like God wants to just get inside of our hearts for a minute. When we begin to build up offense inside of relationships, it hinders breakthrough. And when it hinders breakthrough, what happens is that now all of a sudden I feel like God is not hearing my prayer, that God don't care about me. I'm struggling down here. Don't you see this? And I'm not breaking through, therefore I get offended at God. Do you see what I'm saying? I want to bring back around what I said when I opened up. Some of the greatest breakthrough that you will walk through will not be through your prayer life. It will be how I steward relationships. And really, guys, you know what? To be honest, sometimes I just got to steward my eyeballs in my ears and stop watching certain stuff that just causes offense. If I spend a bunch of time on social media and it bothers me, turn it off. If it's the news, turn it off. Do you see what I'm saying? You already know what gets you hot. Good sense is the person who knows how to restrain anger. You already knows what gets you hot, what begins to cause this domino effect in your life. And all of a sudden, you're just like, you're mad at a people group. Well, how dare them? Who do they think they are? Do you see what I'm saying? Now watch this, I'm going to go a little bit deeper now. Because usually what happens is that the enemy begins to use stuff like this because that's the people group that you're called to set free. So we're going to get into a series next month on spiritual warfare. But the enemy is so about getting you mad at people in God because this becomes paramount for breakthrough and purpose. When you accept Jesus, he knows he lost the war. He's trying to keep you off that battlefield. He's trying his best to keep you off that battlefield. Yeah. Just how God does a divine setup inside of relationships, don't think for a minute that the enemy's not trying to do a setup with you to get you offended at people, a people group, because of the impact that you're supposed to make with them, for them, whatever that looks like. Okay? Y'all with me? Go and put that other scripture up there. I'll, I'll be quick with it. Psalms one nineteen one sixty five 165. says, Great peace have those who love your law or your word. It says nothing shall offend them or make them stumble. You know, God, sometimes what we got to do seriously, hey, look, when you feel like something's offended you, get inside the word and read until God speaks to you. Do you hear what I said? Read until God speaks. Don't give yourself like, I'm going to read one chapter, I'm going to read two chapters. No, read until you hear the voice of God. Yeah. You go read Psalms and you'll see left and right David running for his life. Running for his life. But read until God speaks to you so that he can do this, so that he can help your heart, so that he can help your emotions. Maybe he can remove some offense, bring healing to you but also establish you in that area so I don't have to continue to go around that same mountain. Great peace have those who love the Word of God, and nothing shall offend them. Amen? All right, the last one is uh, be generous, okay? Be generous. So this scripture in 2 Corinthians 8-9, it might be the most prolific verse in, in the Bible, in my opinion on generosity and it's talking about Jesus and it says for you know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for your sakes he became poor that through his poverty you might become rich Second Corinthians 8 and 9 those two chapters it's actually talking about finances but this scripture here it's actually encompassing all prosperity that Jesus paid for it's talking about him on the cross and it says He who was rich, Jesus, right before he went to the cross, he said, I know where I came from, and I know that I possess all things. And when he got on the cross, he was stripped of everything. Not just his clothes, not just his dignity, but he was stripped of something way more important. It's when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was the moment that he became separated from the Father so that you never have to be separated from God. Watch this or another person again he broke down the wall when he said in John 19 30 he says it is finished he was talking about that nature of offense that nature of rebellion that nature of I'm going to get you and I'm going to get you by giving you the silent treatment I'm just not going to talk I'm going to unfriend you he got rid of that he says I'm going to make you like me I'm going to bring you into the presence of the Father. I'm going to show you what it's like to be loved. And that way you can give it to other people. And the more you give it to other people, the more you're going to grow in that revelation of love, of who you are. And because he did that, it's so important for us to be generous with it. God's called you to greatness. God's called every person in this room to greatness. Think about this missionary to Africa. He was a British missionary, incredible man. His name was David Livingston. And he poured his life out for the African people. He chose to create roads for other missionaries could come. But just to give his life for these people. And at his death, the African people said, this man is one of us. And they took his heart and they buried his heart in Africa. And they sent his body back to England because he so loved these people and poured out his life. He was so generous to give what Jesus had gave him. Not only did he impact the generation that he lived in, but those who would come behind him. That's powerful. So a great man of God said this one time. He said, it's yet to be seen what God can do. It's yet to be seen what God can do from someone who is completely sold out or generous, willing to pour out your life. And you know what? It begins with what's in your hand, the ones around you, all right? Let's stand. I'm going to pray for you guys. Every head bowed, every eye closed. That scripture in 2 Corinthians 8, Jesus, Jesus himself was made rich, excuse me, made poor so that you could become rich. And the greatest gift that he gives us is salvation. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you came in here today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, hey, listen, today is your day to receive the greatest gift ever, the gift of eternal life. You'll be in a relationship with Jesus, and your life will never be the same. So if you're in here, And you would like me to pray for you. I'm not going to call you up here. I just want you to raise your hand. If you're in here, just raise your hand. If you've never made that decision, for Jesus to be Lord of your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed. So God always wants us to make a decision. Take a step of faith. I want you to say this prayer with me, whole church family. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. And save me. I repent of my sin. I receive you as my Savior. Help me on this journey. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Let's celebrate.